Welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast Network, and this is the Crash Ball. Thank you to the in-house band, and welcome to the Crash Ball, a brand new podcast on the Green and Gold Rugby Network. My name is Hugh Cavill, and I will be taking you through the next couple of months, the next couple of weeks, the next couple of days, who knows how long this one will go for, but I can tell you what, this is a podcast that is going to come at you hard and fast, like Todd Ikefu off the back of a scrum, plenty of hot takes, plenty of strong opinions, and plenty of great rugby content that you've come to love on this particular channel, and I tell you what, we've got a special treat for you on this one, joining me every step of the way on this podcast, he's come on board as our producer, and you'll hear a little bit from him throughout the series. He's a man that you will know and you will undoubtedly love, former Wallabies coach and, and current radio host, Mr. Alan Jones. Alan, hello. Hello. Now, I've got to say, I'm a little bit surprised you accepted this gig and you've, you've come on as a producer. Um, what, what prompted you to come on and join? I had a letter from a former MP who tells me that you're an honest, disciplined and organised man. You've got a good brain. You're capable in all areas. You speak authoritatively. You make sense. Oh, well, that's awfully nice. I'm not sure who that MP was, but look, I'll, I'll leave that one there. And, and all I've got to say is, I mean, how do you think I'm doing so far? <laughs> well, you're still alive. That's a start. <laughs> okay. Well, fair enough. Thank you very much, Alan. We'll be hearing from you a little bit as we go through this evening. But that's enough small talk. Let's get stuck in. So you're probably asking, what is the crash ball? Well, I'm not even sure I know myself, but we're going to work it out as we go. We're going to keep it short and sharp. We're going to get the opinions coming hard and fast, straight at you, and they're going to be no-nonsense opinions, no-nonsense chat. Um, as I said, it's the first podcast. We're not sure how long this one's going to last and how much I can keep up the energy, but we'll certainly have a crack for the first few weeks and see how we go. You might be asking where the regular Green and Gold Rugby podcast is. Uh, we've had a few weeks off and we're going to have a few more weeks off. And actually, it might push to uh, about a month or so. Look, uh, we've done 200 plus episodes. We've uh, got some things come up in each of our lives, and uh, that, that that mean that it's it's a bit harder to get to the microphone every Tuesday. And we think we might just keep our powder a bit dry for the June test season. So we've gone on a bit of a hiatus, but in its place, I've got to say this is going to be even better than that. We're going to dispel with Reg's petty Queensland provincialism. We're going to dispel with Matt Rowley's conspiracy theories and unmitigated attacks on match officials. And we're going to stick to what makes the Green and Gold Rugby podcast great. And that is my opinions. That's the reason why you tune in. That's the reason why this podcast has become a global sensation that has seen thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people around the world write to us every week and tell us how much they love it. So if you like the Green and Gold Rugby podcast, you're going to love the Crash Ball because it's everything that you like and more. So without further ado, let's get stuck into this week's topics. And there's not going to be five burning questions. There's going to be any number of uh, hot topics coming at you this week. This To start off, we've got four. We've got the woeful weekend of Super Rugby. We've got the upcoming Wallaby season and some prognostications. We've got Scott Fardy over in Europe and we've got what the cricket rights deal means for rugby in Australia. So we're going to keep it punchy. We're going to keep it to the point and we are going to give you the information 
that you need. And I think that actually might go down pretty well. Alan, do you agree? Well, I mean, that's just common sense, isn't it? What you just said is unanswerable. Unanswerable. I couldn't agree more. Well, we're two like minds, aren't we, Alan? And I think that'll be proven as the podcast goes on. So let's start with Super Rugby. Yes, well, it was a pretty horrible weekend in the Australian Conference in Super Rugby. It's been covered in a number of places, and I don't want to go over it too much. I mean, it already is pretty late in the week. Um, Alan, did you happen to watch any of the Waratahs game on Friday night? I had to cover my eyes and look through my fingers. (laughs) Yeah, it was one of those games, wasn't it? They, uh, for the first time in their history, were were kept to nil, or certainly in Super Rugby history, um, and it was a pretty abject game. Even though I've got to say, at halftime, the Waratahs were only down 7-0, and you got the feeling that they actually were on top in the game, and you know, if a bit of luck went their way and they could get a bit of their execution right, they might have come home and, and won that game. But as it was, they came out in the second half with absolutely nothing and got ploughed by the Lions, who were a good team, but certainly weren't playing a, a sensational rugby. So, I mean, I've seen worse Waratahs performances in Super Rugby history, so it kind of surprises me that they it was the first time that they got held to zero. I can certainly remember joining in the chorus of boos against the Cheetahs one time, but look, that's a story for another day. But, um, you know, it, it wasn't the worst performance I've ever seen, and I, th- I feel like they can still bounce back, um, which is probably more than you can say for the Brumbies, who, I- I've got to say, you know, even though the scoreline was much closer than the Waratahs game, much, uh, you know, better on paper, it was it was pretty horrible against the Jaguars side that, that, have, that have, you know, done well against the Australian Conference this year, but certainly I thought were below their best, and they just lacked that, you know, line-breaking, that try-scoring ability, that ability to get through uh, tacklers, and with the talent that they've got, um, it's it's pretty unforgivable because, I mean, they were the favourites for the Australian Conference at the start of the year, and David Pocock and that sort of class roster that they've got, they should be doing a lot better, and throw Izzy Nicerani into that pack as, as you know, arguably the best um, new player in, in, in a new team we've seen, even though he's not a new player. Um, they should be doing a lot better, and I've got to say, Henry Spate, I mean, he, 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 I think it was his 100th game on the weekend, but, God, you'd think he'd learn to position himself in defence by that time. A couple of times he just flies in off the wing and just leaves it open for a try uh, to the Jaguars. It was it was pretty unforgivable, and you've got to wonder, you know, if he is going to get back to that Wallaby level with that sort of defensive um, nous. Um, but, yeah, look, that, that was the Brumbies and the Reds. I've got to say the Reds, uh, they've played about as, uh, as expected against the Chiefs team that's pretty good. And, and the Reds, I still wonder if they're, they're performing as we thought. That Their uh, early season wins will probably belied the fact that they are a very inexperienced roster with a new coach. And they've discovered some good talent in that forward pack. And in the last few weeks, you know, the Chiefs game aside, they've been in games right up until the last 15, last 10 minutes. They've been within a score against the uh, Rebels, within a score against the Brumbies. Um, and within a score against the Waratahs. But um, unfortunately, they just don't have that experience and that instinct to get over the line in those late stages. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a write-off game. But uh, I've got to say that the Reds, I'm not too down on them. Uh, and the Rebels, you know, in the Bulls, I didn't watch that game. But look, they're still in touch in the Australian Conference. And if they can snare a couple of bonus points or a win on the road, then they're right in the hunt for the conference still. So there's certainly a lot going on. But I've got to say, is the interest level that high this year? I mean, I, I, I've seen some low crowds, and the TV ratings are up in, you know, by four or five percent, which is always good. But 
I've got to say, some you know, even though I think the rugby on the field's been better, that I, I just have struggled to get into it. Um, maybe that's because of things happening in my own life and a bit less time to watch footy. But I've got to say, it just hasn't got me in, and I'm not you know watching as many of the foreign games. I'm not watching as many of the Australian games. I just don't know what the narrative is this season. What the compelling storyline is, other than just sort of stri- the Australian team struggling to stay alive. So look, I think it's a real challenge going forward with 2020, the new agreement coming up, and it's it's becoming increasingly increasingly uh, obvious that this format just can't continue in, in, in the way it is. And, and to me, Alan, I, I don't know what you think, but it, but it looks like the horse has bolted, hasn't it? The horse has gone into the mountains. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Let's move on to the Wallabies. We're coming into a Wallaby season where there's a lot on the line for Michael Checker and there's a lot on the line for the team. We start with three games against Ireland at home. Uh, then we obviously go into the Rugby Championships uh, in the usual way with New Zealand and then South Africa and then the game in Argentina. And, and I've got to say, coming into the season, you, you're just looking at that Wallaby side and I'm wondering what the storyline is. What you know, new blood have we got? Anything exciting coming through? Because you look at the Super Rugby teams in the form and there's no real exciting youngsters. There's no bolters coming through that I can see. I, I feel like you know we're going to be fronting up with the same 15 blokes that came through last year with some minor changes around the edges, the same 23, the same squad. And I just don't feel like, you know, there's a huge amount of enthusiasm, there's a huge amount of excitement in that team as they, as they front up against what is a sensational Irish side and obviously going into the rugby championship. I, I, you know, I've got to say my instinct is that we're going to front up another year like we've had in the last five years where we'll show some good signs, we might pinch a game off the All Blacks, but, you know, it'll be that sort of mix of so close but so far, a frustrating sort of uh, season where we have some wins and some losses and we can never really build momentum or show that we're a class side. I mean, it's going to be the same old questions about Bernard Foley. It's going to be the same old questions about the forward pack. It's going to be the same old questions around, you know, the centre combination and a guy like Tavita Kurandrani. You know, you can see him pulling on the 13 jersey again, but I've got to say his super rugby form has been middling and, and, and you've got to wonder where the next 13 is coming through. Is it Samu Karevi's time to shine? Um, you know, there's plenty of questions out there and, and you put that against the backdrop of what's happening with Israel Folau and his contract situation. Uh, and, you know, you've you got to wonder if it's a season where it's a bit of a, a state of flux for the side and with no one really coming through and, and, you know, the same sort of blokes going around again. You've just got to wonder if there's that desire there, that hunger to actually come and get those good results. It's, you know, going to be a huge challenge for Michael Checker because... You know, in terms of rookies coming through, there's some good ones. But, you know, Tong and Thor's the one that I've probably got my eye on at, at tight head prop. He's looking like he's ready to, to take that next step. And some of those young Queensland Reds forwards could have good years too. The Isaac Rodders of the world. Caleb Team is one who I'd like to see. Um, sadly, Easy Nicerati's not eligible for another year. And he's obviously a name that's there and will be there too. We've got the comeback of David Pocock. But are these names enough to sort of... Um, grasp the enthusiasm of the of the regular fan. I'm I'm not sure they are. We're we're going to have a great series against Ireland, but I tell you what, if it's another three nil result uh, against us, then that's a huge blow for for Aussie rugby. And and you've got to say, going into a rugby championship, um, where you know already we're we're pretty um, disheartened about our record against the All Blacks and the Springbok and Argentina games just never really get that enthusiasm. You, you've got to say there's 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 so much at stake in that in that mid year series that. Um, you know, if, if I were Michael Checker, I'd be almost thinking of pulling guys out now and, and giving them rests before that series because it is so important. Um, Alan, any any Wallaby bolters that you've spied in, in your in your travels? Dean Mum. Dean, Dean Mum, really? Dean Mum, M-U-M-M. Oh, okay. Well, 
To be honest, I think he's, he's retired, Alan, um, so I'm not sure he'll be available. Have you, have you got any other picks? My vote would go to someone who promises to be tough on crime. <laughs> OK, well, fair enough. Let's move on. So Scott Fardy's made the move over to Ireland after being really cast aside by Michael Checker last year after he announced his moving overseas from the Brumbies. And, and you know, surprise, surprise, he's absolutely tearing it up over there. Uh, reading an article in the Irish Independent, and, and I quote, At the heart of Leinster's three previous European Cup successes has been a grizzled foreign import, and Scott Fardy is well on course to join that special club. After another towering try-scoring performance on Saturday, saw Fardy pick up Man of the Match award and his aggression at the breakdown, and his rugby brain has had him to the fore in guiding Leinster into the final. Now, doesn't that just sound like almost something taken out of the 2015 Rugby World Cup? Scott Fardy was at his best there, and then almost you know, a little over a year later, he was pretty much thrown out by Michael Checker um, in the pursuit of younger players and better players uh, as we went through the Wallaby season. And... and now he's gone over to, to Europe and he's been nominated for the European Rugby Player of the Year. He's absolutely dominating with Leinster and, and you've got to say, it's, it's a bit of a damning indictment on, on Michael Checker's decision to, to, to leave him out of the Wallabies last year. We gave Stephen Moore a victory lap even though we knew he was retiring from the Wallabies. And, and I've got to say, we left Jordan Ulacy on the bench uh, and even out of the squad sometimes and he missed valuable playing minutes. And and look, Scott Fardy hasn't played his 60 caps, as I understand, so he's not eligible to come back in. But, you know, I just wonder if, if his treatment and being, being um, you know, benched a bit uh, in the past and then basically left out of the squad has, has basically helped him move offshore and made, made this decision for him. And, you know, we saw at the World Cup how good a player he was, just a true world-class defensive player. I still, uh, you know, remember the tackle that he made against Wales to shut down an attack which, you know, he made numerous times in that game and then, you know, against England and, and big games in the semi-final and final as well. I mean, he's a true international standard player and, and a hard man that we really have struggled to find after he's gone. And Jack Dempsey's a, go a good prospect. Ned Hannigan is still very young and very raw. But really, neither of them hold account to what Scott Fardy was in his prime. And it seems like he's he's recaptured that form as being compared to Wilson. And, and you know, I'm... I'm Normally, of course, sort of like what Michael Checker does, but he was one where I, I've got to say he's got to put his hand up and say he made an error. And, and you know, he's made trips overseas to try and get the likes of Kurtley Beale and Will Skelton and Tatafu Pilotta now back on our shores. And I've got to say it's might be, might be time to book another plane trip, check because we've got to get Scott Fardy back. And, you know, there's, the evidence is with the World Cup a year away, he's got so much left to give, and I'd be penciling him into the Wallaby squad. So... You know, let's let's get on him and get him back into the setup because you know, coming into the World Cup, we need these experienced guys. We need these guys in their mid thirties, and it, it's clear that Scott Fardy's still got a lot left to give. And and I think um, if I was Raylene Carlson, if I was anyone in the Wallabies, I'd be picking up the phone to Ireland and getting Scott Fardy back here. Um, you know, for for a short term contract with the Brumbies or something to get him back in the Australian setup because it's clear. You know, we let him go too soon. Um, and, and I've got to say, Alan, I mean, I'm not sure it was handled well. Would you agree? It's staggering, it's scandalous, and it's sickening. Oh, well, that, that is a bit strong. Do you think there was some shenanigans going on behind the scenes? Deals are being done. I wonder what a royal commission would unearth. Hmm. Well, I think it's something that Malcolm Turnbull should definitely look at. Anyway, let's move on. So the cricket rights are no longer with Channel 9. They're moving mainly to Foxtel, but also to Channel 7. And, 
And, you know, we asked the question what it actually means for rugby, and I think it's actually a real positive. And not many people have really touched on this in the aftermath of the decision, but Foxtel are looking to acquire these rights, essentially to launch what is rumoured to be a streaming platform that's exclusively Fox Sports for, for a, you know, a price roughly the same as Netflix, around $15, $20 a month. And if they can launch these Fox Sports channels as standalone streaming options for 20 bucks a month, then that opens up Super Rugby to a huge new audience that people that can't afford Foxtel or don't want to buy Foxtel for only a few months of the year to watch the rugby. And I think it's a real positive for our game because if we can get more people into Foxtel, into Fox Sports, then yes, they're probably there for the cricket or the, rug or the rugby league or the AFL, but certainly it means that rugby is more of an option for these people and it makes it far more accessible. It's on iPads, it's on iPhones, it's on other screens. It's in, on computers, and I mean, it's great for the fans themselves, and certainly many people on our forum and our site that don't want to shell out the 60, 70 bucks a month for Foxtel uh, just for a few games a week. It, it makes a lot more sense for those people, but also it opens up uh, to, to a wider audience. And, you know, we, we agonise a lot about rugby being on free-to-air and super rugby being on free-to-air, uh, and wondering where the next frontier of, of uh, sports consumption and sports viewing goes. And, and I wonder if actually by accident we might end up sort of being in the right place at the right time with Foxtel because if they get the monopoly on streaming and sports streaming and all of a sudden they rapidly grow that audience, um, then it, you know it's, it's undoubtedly good news for Super Rugby and it means that uh, advertising revenue goes up as well, sponsorship revenue goes up. And uh, it, it just means that there's more eyeballs on the game. So I think it's, it, it's tentatively a positive, and it might mean that the idea of moving to free-to-air might become redundant because there's just as many eyeballs on this Fox Sports streaming service that we need to hit than there are on, on conventional free-to-air television, which is declining every year and, and less and less eyeballs. And we've seen the A-League going on to free-to-air TV has been a bit of a, bit of a, uh, a false win for them because they, they're pulling in numbers that are less than Foxtel uh, on one of the uh, secondary channels on, I think, Channel 10. So... You know, there's there's good things there for rugby, hopefully, uh, going forward. And, and, and that's where we end, the first Crash Ball podcast. And uh, I've got to say, I think we've done okay. We're keeping it short and sharp. Any comments, any uh, questions uh, on greengoldrugby.com, you can post them there. My personal Twitter account, at uh, Hugh Cavill, uh, or any other way, um, get my personal phone number and give me a call because I'm always happy to have a chat. Um, actually, please don't do that. Um, and... My producer, Alan, I think, I think you've done okay. I think I've done okay, do you think? <laughs> you are wonderful. Well, that's nice of you to say. And, and until next week, uh, goodbye.